We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What a pass. Giddy underneath for JRE. The reverse and the rookie-to-rookie action. Outside the blue door. He'll get the flyby. Three on the way, and he rattles it in. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough step back. Gets up the shot. Bakes it in. This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. Coming to you live late Sunday, May 29th. So we postponed this show until after Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I've got Taylor Peterson with me. Kind of a uh, little unnecessarily exciting uh, there towards the end of that Game 7, uh, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. Very much. We got Kamiar Morabian with us. Yeah, I was, uh, I was talking to Jake during the game, especially late, during the later parts of the game, and about just how Marcus Smart played so well for them tonight and but couldn't bury the dagger like Down he the said. Yep. Um, and then I just thought, man, I just thought Tate not going to Tatum um, often late was such a mistake by them. Like, they that's the dude. Like, if you're going to be an NBA superstar, you need to be that. Um, but I mean, the man, the ball, I, I love, I, I freaking love Jimmy Butler and him pulling it for three in transition <laughs> to, to kill it. I, that is the most Jimmy move of all time. Cause they wouldn't have let the, they wouldn't have let the Celtics score on them on like with like four seconds left. Would have gone over time if they, yeah, yeah. everyone's trashing on that shot from Jimmy. And I'm no, like, man, that, if that shot goes in, nobody's saying anything. You're always talking it, about how great of a shot it is. So it is so him. Like he's mm-hmm. a dog, right? He is like so wild that he was never the best player on his team, even at Marquette. And he just kind of grows into like this star role. And the dude is just, he's just vibes, but he plays. He's the hardest player on, on the team. You got to respect it. Yep. Uh, before we get into, series. yeah, before mm-hmm. we get into some draft talk, real quick, guys, uh, just initial finals thoughts, predictions, opinions. Uh, Boston versus Golden State game one, uh, I believe, is out in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I think they they Thursday start night. that series out in California Thursday night, eight p.m. Central Time. Uh, just initial thoughts. Uh, 
I've been saying I've been saying Celtics Warriors for a while, uh, but I I just don't think that he have what it takes to keep up with them offensively. Really, the Celtics, Celtics. Uh, or the Celtics? Yeah, the the Celtics. I just I just don't think they have the players to do it. Uh, they run such an a, an efficient system, and now you don't just have you know the three the trio of Dre, uh, Clay, and Steph. Now you've got legitimate pieces around them that are not named like Harrison Barnes, right? Like you get you get Jordan Poole, uh, you get freaking Andrew Wiggins as like as a plus, uh, and so many other uh, guys that contribute to that team. So honestly. I'm looking at either a sweep or a gentleman sweep. I just think Golden State is too so much better and so much more fluid uh, in the way they pull up in the way they play. I think Boston still has their has their issues. I'm glad you said that, Kamiar, because I was kind of thinking like this could either be like a really fun series or it also feels like the Warriors could just win this one in five. Yeah. Um, I just don't like how the Celtics match up with them, primarily defensively. Oh, interesting. See, I think like, there's a I lot they of have fun the matchups on this. But that just Grant Williams looks banged up. Al Horford's old. Um, In the depth of the Warriors, too. Like Otto Porter the, Jr., you yeah. can just pull him off the bench. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And they've had time just, off. <laughs> they've yeah. had like a the, week to rest up. and Yeah, and the, the injury issues for the Celtics is a big one. But I think th- there's a lot of interesting cross matches. Like Horford versus Draymond, I think is fun. That is fun. Um, Smart is going to be on Steph Curry. Jalen yep. Brown's going to be on Clay Thompson. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, Comier, you just mentioned, that kind of having a, a resurgence uh, is going to get the Jason Tatum task. Like, there's going to be some fun cross matches in this series that I think are, are going to be fun, like individual one on ones. Personally, I hope it goes six or seven just so we have more basketball to watch. Right. I don't really drafts. have a rooted interest in who wins. I just. I want as many games as we can possibly get. I just think I just think the pure depth of the Warriors is too much for the Seas. I mean, like, other than like who else they bring? Who who they who are the Celtics bringing off the bench that's really going to kill you? Whereas the Warriors could insert this person, you know, like A, B, or C. You have three options. Like, if you have like legit three options off the bench, you could go to and you can kind of rely on. The Celtics mm-hmm. don't have that. Yeah. And again, injuries, I think they're going to play up a little bit tonight too. Play, oh, dude, he, he got his he got his head gashed open. That looked like whenever on, someone just... drives the drives the lane against Kamiar and pickup. Hey, no easy back, no easy baskets. <laughs> All right, <laughs> gentlemen. The rules. So let's dive into some thunder stuff. I wanted to. I can't remember if we had this conversation on a podcast, on a Twitter Spaces. Uh, just in a chat amongst us. Uh, there's just been so much communication about the draft. But over the the past few days, we have had a discussion about how, quote, trading up on draft night works. Uh, typically, teams aren't just trading up to get a pick just to get a higher pick. They usually have a specific player that they are targeting, that they are trading up to go get. Like if we, we're really interested in guy X, and if he is available still on the board at pick Y, We have a trade ready to go. We're going to pull the trigger and go and get our guy. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that tonight. Uh, A, I wanted to talk about who might be the Thunder's target that they would trade up for. Uh, Specifically, we're talking from 12, that that 12 pick. And B, what do we think the Thunder's quote-unquote trade board 
heading into the draft looks like because they're not calling somebody negotiating a trade on draft night. Like those trades are negotiated right now, like three, four weeks before the draft. That way you already have the framework in place. And if your guy is available at a pick that you feel comfortable with, you're picking up the phone, you're calling that other GM and saying, Hey, that trade we talked about, I'm ready to pull the trigger. Are you still in? Like you have that framework put together and you just got to put the finishing touches in the five minutes that that team is on the clock. So who is a guy let's for argument's sake right now, a lot of the mock drafts have the thunder taking Chet Holmgren at number two. So let's just ride with that for right now. Who do you think is a trade up candidate? The thunder may be interested in jumping from 12 up higher into the lottery to get. Let's discuss that first. Then let's talk what some possible trade-ups with some of those teams might look like. There's a lot of names in that range. You know, like I think of the obvious ones, we've talked a lot about uh, guys like Jeremy Sohan, uh, who we think could fit really well with the Thunder in terms of his defensive versatility, um, his small, smart b-ball IQ on the offensive end of the floor. But again, like with a lot of these players in this range, um, it's kind of the swing skill is the jump shot. That jump shot's going to, going to have to come along, especially with this Thunder team, if he's truly going to fit well with them. That's one guy I think of. Obviously, AJ Griffin, another guy we've talked a lot about. Um, it seems like people are very, uh, people being draft analysts and scouts seem very torn on him because they've seen him pre-knee uh, injuries in high school and his explosiveness compared to this season at Duke where he was very limited in his role didn't quite have the same burst and athleticism and really struggle on the defensive side of the ball. But again, like if that explosiveness comes back, he gets healthy as well as elite shooting. I mean, I think that's a fantastic prospect. Uh, I'm obviously high on Dyson Daniels. Jacob and I have talked a lot about Daniels here, but I found it interesting that he didn't meet with the thunder during the combine. That's not to say that the thunder won't have him in for a workout. They'll bring in literally everybody they can for a workout and interview. But I did just kind of find that a little bit interesting. Um, obviously I, I I don't know. I think Jang would still be there. I'm not sure you trade up for him. Um, yeah, maybe that, Branham. that's definitely not a trade up. If Branham's I, like climbing up the board or it, it, there's, there's talk of teams maybe wanting to swoop up and grab him. Those are just guys off the top of my head. Uh, what do you guys think? Man, I don't, I don't like, I really have no idea just because I don't know what OKC wants at that point. I mean, you get Chet Holmgren. All right, cool. You don't really want another guard, do you? Um, unless you plan on, uh, you unless you plan on trading out one other guard, uh, because Josh Giddy is going to be a ball handler for a while. Uh, but then again, you would have to know that OKC's like long term plans for what they want to do. So, I mean, I know Ben Matherin's a guy. That's the one I forgot to mention. Super, super happy about it. This depends on like, you know, Shaden Sharp and like if he's even still on the board, uh, if they get if they want to just go big the entire way, because I mean, just look at the roster. They are they they have guys that are really good um, at one through three spots uh, that are young, but also very experienced in Lou Dort and Shea. But you you're you're lacking you know that yet yeah, pure raw talent in the big guys um and maybe even the wing um after after giddy like what let's say you want to put giddy just on ball one put shay at two um you could have a special wing talent so that's why i'm saying like you know you have ben matherin you know you have other big guys um you, you could even realistically 
get try to go get Dyson Daniels, like I said, or um, I'm still a J- uh, Jalen Duran guy. Um, so I have no idea uh, where OKC would trade. And part of me even thinks that they might even just trade Lou Dort and seven just for a player just straight up. Um, so I'm just really curious to see uh, what what's going to happen. Yeah, the Dyson Daniels stuff, like I've been high on Dyson Daniels for a while. Interestingly enough, uh, Sam Vecini from The Athletic comp Dyson Daniels pretty close to Josh Giddy. Uh, he said Josh Giddy's basketball IQ and a, a, a ability to read the court is just like otherworldly. Dyson isn't at that level, but Dyson's the better defender. Both of them, the swing skill is, is shooting. Um, I think... Ben Matherin is an, is another really interesting name. I think he's a guy that could really thrive off the ball playing the three next to Shea and Josh. Agreed. Uh, AJ Griffin, depending on how the medical medicals come back. I mean, you have a guy that is currently built like Jimmy Butler, a guy that we just watched take over the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, has an absolutely pure stroke. Like, if I was forced to guess... If someone said, hey, the Thunder are going to trade up to seven on draft night, who do you think they're going to get? Like they, they tell me for a fact that the Thunder will get pick seven. Who are the two or three players you think they're targeting? I think those would probably be the three, I'd, I'd say. Dyson Daniels, Ben Matherin, um, or A.J. Griffin. So, Kamir, uh, you mentioned, you know, kind of th- those wings. Uh, they, they lack talent in the bigs, but they also lack talent in the wings. I, I think specifically young talent on the wings. And all three of those guys that I just mentioned can play the three. Um, I think they all be interesting. So, so let's talk some trade ups, guys. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to trade up to three, four, or five. I think those teams are probably pretty locked locked in. Um, but let's talk from six to eleven. First up at six, the Indiana Pacers. Is there any sort of trade with the Thunder in Indiana? I, I don't think really there's realistically a trade to be made with any of these teams other than New Orleans, Washington, and New York. I think Indiana, Portland, and San Antonio all agree that they need those picks. Yeah, I don't think there's one with Indiana at all either. Um, Taylor, do you have any, 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 any good God, <laughs> any, any Indiana, Indiana thoughts? <laughs> That's a lot of Indies. Um, I mean, I'm with you guys. I, I don't think – I think it would be very hard to. I don't think it's impossible, though. For example, at, at pick six, if the Thunder do end up drafting Chet or whoever they think is their number one guy on their board at two, and they're happy with that, and they see you know, maybe some of these teams that we're hearing about that have Ivy at the top of their board, you know, pick him up at pick number three or something like that, which I understand it's unlikely with Houston there. But let's say Ivy's off the board, um, Shaden Sharp goes higher than expected, and all of a sudden you see some of these other guys start to fall. Like maybe a Keegan Murray's still there, or maybe it is Shaden Sharp that's still there on the board. They want to trade up and get him. I think they could offer enough to entice Indiana, who's a little more ready to compete than the Thunder are, a little more impatient with a, you know, and not wanting to call it a quote unquote rebuild, for example. I think there is a trade that could be had, but it's going to have to be something pretty rich. But the Thunder have the luxury to do that. They feel like their guy is on the board. So what I have here is something like maybe uh, – I'm not sure they'd be a Lou Dort team. Maybe they would. But I think maybe Trey Mann would be the player here that they'd be most interested in, knowing Indiana, what they're looking for, um, especially if Brogdon's going to be gone. I understand Trey Mann's not going to be handling the ball for them, but I just mean it in terms of the playing time. So maybe something like Trey Mann, 12, and like a top four protected first – Again, that seems a little rich, but it might be what it takes if it, and might be worth it if you think your guy's on the board. 
That's an interesting one. Um, I don't think that moves the needle enough for Indiana as far as winning next year, which I think yeah. is what they want to do. Um, I just, I don't see them as a trade down. Team. What if you throw in like Kenrich or Muscat? I get it. You're right. I, I still don't think that's enough, but yeah. Let's move down to seven, which is an interesting one. The Portland Trailblazers. Kamiar, you said you do not think Portland is a, is a team that will trade off of seven. Uh, no, uh, no, we, they, they, they need to rebuild. I mean, like that team is falling apart. Dame is getting old. Uh, like who who do you, like, you don't really have any assets and I just don't think they're going to be a team that OKC would be able to trade with. And I don't think they would want to trade off of that unless there it's, it's, there's a specific player to be had, but like, I don't think the trailblazers want to give up any assets that they currently have. Um, I don't know. I, I disagree with you in that. I think that they are very willing to move off of seven, but I agree with you and kind of see where you're coming from. Call are when, when I think you're getting at that. OKC may not be the team they're willing to do that with because they'd rather go for like a, you know, let's just use a very obvious example. It's been floated out there since before the trade deadline last year, Jeremy Grant and Detroit. Um, one of those kind of players rather than a Lou Dort or, you know, obviously the Thunder aren't giving up to Shea, Shea or Giddy, especially for pick seven. So, yeah, I uh, like like who, who, tough. who does OKC have that the Trailblazers would really want right now? Like it's going to propel them. Yeah, that's the difficult thing. Like, I don't think the Blazers should trade the pick. I I agree with you. I think they need to rebuild, but I think they will look to trade the pick and to get better around Dame's uh, last few like years at his peak. I don't think that's what they should do, but I think that's what they will do. If the Trailblazers think they're going to win and get in the playoffs, like in even like in the mid, you know, three to seven range in as a playoff seed in the next like two years, they're out of their minds. Like they need to start the rebuild now. Like that, yeah. hey, that team is done. That team I is don't done. see how they, how they're at best, not a play in team next year. Yeah. Clippers are going to be healthy. Denver's going to be healthy. You know, Dallas is on the come up. You still have Phoenix. Like Memphis, Memphis Spurs is on the come are going up. to take a step up. You know, the Pelicans are now and when, I mean, yep. Somebody has to drop out. I just, I don't see it. See what the Lakers do. Gold. We didn't even mention Golden State there. Like, there's like ten teams yeah. in the West. Like, I don't see how Portland worst, jumps into that top six. The worst teams in the West are maybe Houston and OKC with tons of fun talent, like very promising mm-hmm. young talent. Like, mm-hmm. it's stacked. No, it's a good point. I, if there was a structure of something, um, that at least I, I forget the new GM's name over there. But they said, okay, like this would be the structure if we were to get something done, but you know, no promises. I think it'd probably something like Lou pick 12, another highly uh, unprotected, not completely unprotected, but lightly protected first is a word I was looking for there. And what do you guys think about Baisley? How much? I, I, there's no way Presley would trade both Lou and Baisley in the same trade. I just wonder if Baisley fits kind of what they're looking for in terms of a, uh, a player that they could throw in at the wing play solid defense for them and hypothetically knock down shots. I just, well, uh, we've it, talked about the Baisley Jeremy Grant kind of similar structure, similar model. We know they love Jeremy Grant trading for Baisley is like trading for like 40% of Jeremy Grant at this yeah. point. But I just want to know. I, I selfishly want to know obviously soon, but 
I just want to know what the long-term idea of Lou Dort and OKC is going to be. Yep. I mean, do I think this draft will much, say a lot about that? How much are they going to pay him? Are they going to pay him? He took a huge discount and he's going to want to get paid because he does mean quite a bit to the team as of now. Uh, not just offensively, especially this last year where you see him ball handle a lot and he's actually became a decent finisher, an okay three point shooter. Um, and then, of course, you already knew his defensive qualities. And so, I just wonder what his position position on the team is going forward. And so I I'm, I'm not sure if OKC wants to move off of him or if they will gladly move off of him. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we find out till next summer. God, I really don't think they do anything this summer with him. That's I think they keep all the flexibility for 2023. What about this one? What if it was like, this one gets tossed out all the time. I know. But what if it was a three-team trade where Jeremy Grant ended up in Portland? Pick 12, and I don't know, maybe it's that Detroit pick back to Detroit that the Thunder own. Maybe it's another first, uh, lightly protected first. Uh, one of the, Not the Thunder's own, one of those other ones that they own, uh, back to Detroit. And Portland gets Kenrich Williams. So Portland's hall for pick seven is Jeremy Grant and Kenrich Williams. Ooh, the Thunder like get that. pick seven. Detroit gets pick twelve and a future pick. I like that a lot. Um, Detroit might I be think the that one makes, team there. That'd be the hardest to sell them on, but I, I like that. Yeah, I think that makes Portland <laughs> better in the like immediate <laughs> in the immediacy. Who who is getting Kenrich Williams just straight up? Portland. Portland would get Kenrich Williams and Jeremy Grant. And what is OKC just giving out? We jump. OKC up is five giving spots. out twelve Kenrich Williams and like the protected Detroit first round pick they owe next, in 2023. next season. <laughs> I mean, like, sure. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, that would that'd be great, but I don't think that happens. Yeah, neither do I. I was just, yeah. I don't know. I think that makes <laughs> Portland better now. I'd be very happy. I'd be very happy with that. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. All right, let's move on to pick number eight, which would be the New Orleans Pelicans. I think they would trade that pick. I think just because, like, if they even have if some they, pressure next year, right? They, they do. do. They do. It's, and Zion needs to get healthy. And, but even without Zion, they took the Suns to the brink, and that's when I knew the Suns were, were not it this offseason, this postseason, excuse me. Um, and then you get Zion back. Um, I that that's that's a pick that I think that the Pelicans would trade away. Um, as far as OKC is concerned, I think of, uh, it's funny that we talk about this, right? I mean, that's where OKC got him from. Uh, OKC could give him, yep. give Kenrich back. Yep. Uh, of course, you know, you you have the Ludor question. What like, are you, what is going on here? Um, because OKC can take a lot more money in, right? Then they mm-hmm. can, uh, you know, obviously dish out. And um, yeah, OKC can eat some bad money. Yeah. Here they get for, a for, ton. Like, for an asset. For a, that, ton, yeah, that a ton of money. Starts to make sense. And so. I mean, if you're OKC, what do you want? What do you what are you really looking for? I mean, 
Um, that's that's the main that's the main question. What what do the Pels have other than just pick eight? Um, is that is that is that all you want from them? Uh, if you give out one or two more players, very good point. And I was thinking about that as well. Like in this range, we aren't talking about as big of a jump in the draft. Um, again, four spots in the lottery is still pretty significant, but not as significant as like pick six, for example, with the Pacers. Yeah. When I think about the the Pelicans and Jacob, I know we've talked about this as well. Um, Yar, I think we've talked about this also, but like they obviously need a ball handler. Uh, they need a lead facilitator. If they don't trade the pick and somehow Dyson Daniels falls to them, it's perfect. Uh, I was listening to somebody recently saying that they apparently have interest in Ty, Ty, Ty Washington, which I'm lower on than the consensus. But assuming they were willing to trade it, and this is just kind of a fun one, mainly because it's it's been recent. Uh, it's overhyped. It This is pretty unlikely but like it, it does make sense for this team what if this you're is the mitch team god i knew you were gonna <laughs> the say mitch kenrich like kamiar mentioned pick 12 and then maybe you throw in another you know protected first rounder i mean a ball handler guy who can set the table is really what new orleans needs they have cj a scoring guard they have mm-hmm. bi they have their defensive stopper and herb uh, they've got Zion. They've got Jonas Valanciunas, right? Like the the thing they really need is a guy that can set the table and and get everybody set up and and in the right positions and scoring. And theoretically, that is what Michich should be, right? He should be able to come in and do that. I I am throwing cold water on all the Michich stuff. I am as well. I am as well. I just uh, thought again, recency bias. I throw it in there for them, but I'm with you especially just because of this range in the draft, I think one of those ball handler type players might fall to them. Even if that player isn't quite as win now ready as somebody hey, else may be, it just, I don't know. Hey, if they want to take Ty Ty Washington at this pick, <laughs> that's almost as good as a trade up, except you didn't have to give up anything. Fantastic. Cause point. that means a you good a player. Falls to you. I just, I just wonder, I, I think new Orleans would move off this pick, but I also just wonder what their goal and outlook of the team is because I think we're forgetting Brandon Ingram is only 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zion is still very young. Um, and, you know, you have a lot of guys in that team that have been contri- contributing that are pretty young. Uh, and so like, yes, I think they would move off of it, but I think, I don't think it would be, I, I think you would owe them Trey man. That's actually I was about to, I was wondering one. Trey Mann, Ty Jerome, another guard on that team. I think yeah, I think they're missing like you guys said, you know, they're missing guys that can set the table. Trey Mann's kind of the combo guard. Yep. Um and uh I think the Mitchich thing, uh you know, regardless like they can cut him. I don't you know, he wouldn't I don't know how much money he would actually would want um in the NBA cuz he's 28, you know? Like he's you're coming older. to the NBA, you're 28. Uh, so, but I think you would have to owe them an, an extra young player in Trey man. So it's like, are you going to value Trey man more or are you going to value that eighth pick more? Yeah. Great. And I think points. it really depends on what are you getting at eight? Yep. You know? Exactly. Who's that player on your board that's dropped to you? But I don't think, I don't, I, I really, I think, I think uh, Trey man is, I know people disagree with this, but I think Trey Mann is untouchable. I think that 
he and this last draft class besides JRE is untouchable. I think of course, Giddy is untouchable right now. I think Trey Mann's untouchable. I think they love what they see in him. He has his shot creating ability and shot making ability uh, that we wish we thought like Trey Mann is currently what we thought we were going to get in Jeremy Lamb. Um, and you're seeing it live in front of you. And now you're seeing Trey man play actual defense and he's still growing and he's younger and he's going to get bigger. And so he's, he's just there. Uh, and he's special. Um, he also has a new haircut. So there's yeah. that. Yep. And you I were agree. talking it about, you know, a lot. what would it, would it take Trey man to new Orleans? To me, Trey man has a lot of CJ McCollum in him. Yeah, uh, there's like a I, lot of similarities I, there. He's untouchable to me. I, I, yeah. I he's a part of the, part of that young core. I like him a lot. I, do I like too. him a whole lot. All right, let's move on to the next one, which I think we can go through pretty quickly. The San Antonio Spurs uh, at nine. I just don't see the Spurs moving off the pick. There's no um, way. They should. They. Have, they, they should have blown me, it up a long time ago. Yeah, to me, they are a Mark Williams or a Jalen Duran team for sure. Um, like Yalka Pirtle is going to command a pretty big extension coming up. Like I could see them moving on and getting another big, uh, who knows how much longer pop is there. Maybe one more year. Um, I just, I don't see them moving off the pick. They, they just, they, I've been talking to one of my good friends, um, about he's a, he's a Spurs fan. And I'm just like, when are you guys going to legitimately start this rebuild you guys have been in basketball purgatory for so long at the end of Pop's career. I don't, and he, he agrees, you know, like he's like, I don't know. And because but they need to rebuild so badly. Um, and I, I also think that, I mean, like Presti is an apple off the San Antonio Spurs tree. And so they know that how to rebuild and they know they should rebuild. Uh, you have a couple nice pieces. Uh, I really don't like DeJounte Murray for them for the future, but you have a couple of really nice pieces, but they are, there's no way for me that I see them moving off that pick. I think the totally. only way they move quote unquote off the pick is if they combine it with their other first and try and move up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It's a good point. One team I do think could move off their pick. Now it depends on how much you value moving up. Just a couple of spots to 10, the Washington wizards. You want to talk about a team one. that's been locked in purgatory. Kamiar. <laughs> They've just been middling for forever. It's looking like Brad Deal is going to sign the extension. Hachimura so is good. Yeah, they have they have every six nine combo forward in the league. It feels like, <laughs> like they have all of them. They got um, Jacobs, uh, old draft crush, Denny Avdia. D- Denny Avdia. They yeah. have Rui Hachimura. They have Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. Um, th- now, they're they're stacked at a- that four position. This this is a team that I could see the legit Mitchich trade happening with. That makes some sense. Does Mitchich and twelve get you to ten? Is that enough, or would it have to be like Mitchich twelve and thirty? Mitchich twelve and a I think a future heavily protected pick. Yeah, Mitchich twelve thirty or thirty four. I'd be cool with that. I would be too. But I'd be, I don't, I'd be at, very at, comfortable moving off a of thirty for the yeah. Thunder. At that, at that point, I mean. At that point, I I think I think Presti is gonna do what everybody thinks he's gonna do it too. If Jabari Smith Jr. is drafted first and go Chet Holmgren second, um, I've I'm coming around on Chet Holmgren. Um, 
unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, I think he'll actually get bigger and stronger. Um, so I'm coming around on him and his game. Uh, he seems already like OKC, and a lot of the players already seem to know where they're going to be at anyways, but who knows. Um, but I think Presti maybe tries to pull a wild card at 12 and select some guy that you thought was going to go later uh, sooner. Yeah. Uh, that seems like the most Presty thing for me ever. Um, but I think the Mitchich trade could legit happen there, but it just depends on you're splitting hairs by the time you get to 10 and 12, unless there's yeah. this, this one guy that you really need, this one guy that you really, really need that's just right in front of you. Because remember, uh, Devin Booker went to pick right before, yeah. you know, so Campaign. and so and so. Yeah. Yep. And and Donovan Mitchell went right before, you know, where you where you want it to be. And so there, there if, if there's that guy available, you know, you have to go after him. And, and it's kind of so, like Derek Murray mentioned the other week, too, on our podcast. Gosh, was that last weekend? It mm-hmm. feels like forever ago. It was a week wow. ago. Yeah. Goodness. feels like two weeks ago. Um, if you get intel, let, let's see. I got to look at the big yeah, one well, here. Well, the Knicks are 11. That's what I was about to say, Taylor. Is yeah. Like, yeah. If the guy that you want, you know that the Knicks are going to take at 11, that's the jump you got to make. Like, yeah, if exactly. it's AJ Griffin, what if AJ Griffin is there? And I think that's what and, happened and, with Trey Mann last year. I think what I think yeah, the Knicks, yeah. it was the Knicks wanted Trey Mann. And so they I, made the trade. I can't remember, but I don't know. Yeah. It's like if the Knicks want that guy and you got to go one spot ahead of them to get him, that that's where you move. Maybe it's AJ Griffin. Um, I don't personally like him for OKC, but maybe it's Johnny Davis. Um, you know, maybe it's it, it, whoever, right? But if the Knicks are going to take him at, 11 you got to jump to 10 i think there's a deal you can make with washington to get that done i agree and then 11 i i don't really see the point in trading up one spot right like if new york is going to take the guy you want they're not going to trade off of it because the guy that they want is there you don't have to worry about someone else jumping in front of you and taking the guy that you want because it's only one spot. I just I don't see Presty moving up one pick. Do you guys agree? Not at all. Especially in this draft, there's going to be so many options there still available. Um, I think in similar tiers that the Thunder will probably have on their big board. I agree. It just doesn't seem worth it. If OKC gets Chet at two, uh, like I think they will. Um, that's a, a lot of things are pointing to. I think OKC goes after another combo guard or just a, just a pure point guard in general, um, just as kind of a guy that can take pressure off of Josh and Shea uh, at the same time because Josh switches positions quite often, just as Shea would. I mean, it reminds me of those kind of that CP3 year where you could have three dudes, yeah, Dennis, uh, Shea, and CP3 that could handle uh, handle a ball. And that's in tandem with already and now you would have Shea, Giddy, another ball handler uh, in tandem with Lou, whose handle has gotten better. His finishing skills have gotten better. Trey Mann, who can handle and has a nasty step back store. His ankles almost touching the floor. I cannot believe that's like humanly possible. Shins uh, are horizontal. Yeah, you just you just have <laughs> so many. hurt. You just have so many guys that can handle the ball, and even including Chet Holmgren, even in, trans, in transition. Of course, I don't think Chet's going to take anybody, anybody off the dribble too much in in half court sets. But yeah, I mean, I I think you just you add that other dynamic that OKC has been wanting. You get that big, you get that defender that you get that high IQ guy along with the guy that can take pressure off your guards and wings. 
Kamiar, I am with you to a T. And that's why I've been so high in Dyson Daniels. And we'll say that. I, I see some comments and questions about him in the chat. Um, but I had a, a similar rant on Dyson Daniels for a lot of those reasons you mentioned. I think Dyson will play the three when he's in the league. I mean, the dude's I six, seven too. and a half. That's why I like somebody who's taller, has more size. Exactly him. Uh, Usman Jang, obviously a little, uh, not a little, much more raw prospect. But somebody like that compared to just like a, you know, again, using yeah. the example here, Ty Ty Washington. Because like, the, right. the league is about length these days. I mean, in OKC, if they're feeling a team that's like, you know, six, six, uh, how, how tall is Lou? Like six, four, six, five? Six, four, yeah. Six, yeah. four, six, 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 eight. Now, I know a lot of people have talked about this. A lot of Thunder fans have talked about this. If Chet is the guy at two, I foresee a lot of Chet JRE front court minutes. Yes. I don't know if like Chet basically works as much, uh, but JRE can space the floor and catch and shoot. He's a good ball mover. Like JRE's got a little bit of um um, oh my gosh, why am I going blank? We just watched him play for Boston. Al Horford. Yeah. He's no, not Al, Al Horford. No? Who's the oh, other one? Grant, Grant Williams. Williams. Grant Williams. Yeah. I see a lot of Grant Williams and JRE. Thicker guy, can can bang down low a little bit, not as tall, can space out, hit the three. Versatile in the perimeter and so, in terms of defense. Interesting. So just to recap, we feel Indiana at, at six, probably not a trade-up candidate. Portland at seven, could be. New Orleans at eight, could be. Washington at 10 could be, but that's probably it, right? I mean, I don't yeah. think any of us think they're getting up to three, four, five, right? No. Right. Unless, I, unless Presti really empties the, the, the draft stash. Yeah, um, well, I mean, Houston's not trading off a three. That's just no. not going to happen. Sacramento, you never know. Could. It's the Kings. But Detroit I think could, it'd be unlikely. Yeah, I just don't see that happening. I think I think if you wanted to get to three, four, five, it costs you Shea or Giddy. That's yes, I yep. agree. And I don't think that's happening. Or All right. Lou and a treasure trove of picks. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, gentlemen, let's take a quick break, tell people about the sponsors for the week. And when we come back, we are going to grade Sam Press draft picks since he's been in Oklahoma City. Be right back. What's up, Thunder fans? This is Jacob from the Uncontested Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that we have fully redesigned our merch store to get you the best Thunder swag available. Just visit cottonbureau.com and search the Uncontested Podcast to find all of our new designs. That's C-O-T-T-O-N-B-U-R-E-A-U.com and search the uncontested podcast to find new drops like Josh Giddy's Wizard of Oz or an ode to the Trey Man step back. We've also got all the classics like Dortal Combat, Lu Tang Clan, and everyone's favorite MVP, Shea Gilgis Alexander. The best part? You can get any design in the style of apparel you want. So if you're gearing up for the summer and want a tank top, needing a hoodie for the winter in Australia, or you're wanting a Pokemon onesie for your baby, we've got you covered. Make sure to go to cottonbureau.com and search the uncontested podcast to get your new Thunder gear today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, gentlemen, we are back. We are now going to put all of Sam Presti's first round draft picks since the team has been in Oklahoma City in a tier list. So I've got the tier list right here. It's pulled up on on the screen if you were watching us live. Uh, If you are not, we'll we'll talk you through it. We've got a handful of tiers here. S tier is like God tier, right? This is like the best draft pick possible. Then we have A, B, C, D, E, and F. Okay. I'm going to read off the first draft pick Sam Presti made when the team was in Oklahoma City. And we're going to have to decide where does that pick fall? Now, a few things that you can weigh on this. Um, who got drafted after this guy? Like, was he the best possible pick at that spot? Um, the value, like the pick, ver- the, the player versus the pick number um, trades. Like, did he trade up for that pick or trade back for that pick and did it backfire? Um, the player's career in Oklahoma City and how it's played out. I think a few of these are going to be really, really easy. I think some of them are going to be kind of difficult to place. Uh, so we're going to see where they all end up. But but the whole point of this exercise is I really want to see when Preston's in the lottery and in the top 10, how often does he miss? Because we talk a lot about how Preston's like this great drafter. Um but I want to put it on paper. I want us to really see how, how it works out for Sam Presti. So let's start. First draft pick. Technically, the team wasn't in Oklahoma City yet, but it still counts because they relocated that summer. 2008, the Thunder have pick number four. With that selection, they choose Russell Westbrook. If you guys had to drop Russell Westbrook in one <laughs> of these tiers, where do you put him at? I don't know. He's fallen off in recent years, maybe C. <laughs> 
you are, you obviously put it. Yeah, S-tier. that's an absolute S tier. You have to put him in S tier. The guy's going to get a statue. He's going to get his jersey retired next out of everybody. Absolutely. 100%. This is an and easy just, one. Russ is an S tier pick at pick. Especially four. where I he mean, was mocked too in those uh-huh, sorry, mock, yeah. where he was anticipated to to go in the in the draft compared to where he was uh, Preston took him higher than anticipated and it just absolutely paid dividends. Another pick in 2008. Again, we're only doing first. There's no way in God's green earth we would do the second round picks as well. <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. Pick 24 in 2008. Sam Presti selects Sergi Baca. Where does Sergi Baca go on the tier list? This one's it, tough. So, what are you like? What are you labeling as? Like, because like we have S, A, B, and A through F, right? And so, like, what is the difference between S and N and A? Like, S is like superstar, you, you, or like what? Yeah, I mean, you you can kind of make your own judgments on this one. Like, I think Sergi Baca is an incredible draft pick at twenty four. Like, absolutely incredible. But the dude also like never made any all defensive teams. Um, never was like a defensive player of the year, all star. He was a really solid, like a really really top tier solid role player. For me personally, I would put that pick in the A tier. It's not like okay. knocked out of the park incredible, but it's really really freaking close. No, yeah, I I, I would agree with that. Then yeah, I was gonna say he might he would be in the A tier. Just because you get his value at 24, and especially his earlier years when there wasn't as much perimeter game before Steph ruined the game and <laughs> Steph ruined like how you watch basketball these days, and then the Warriors ruined it even more. Um, <laughs> like, no, not the Warriors. The Rockets ruined it the even Rockets. more by just you know shooting only threes in at the rim, you know. Um, gosh, remember when David Lee was an all-star for the Warriors? Yeah. Holy God. Good times. Um, it, Draymond but, was backing him up. And, and the so that the game was more, you know, about driving the paint. And um, Serge, there was so many times Serge, not, he didn't just block shots. He altered so many more. And It was a deterrent. Also, People wouldn't could, drive the lane on that yeah. man. And you, you could also rely on him uh, to pick and pop. Uh, and eventually toward the end of his tenure at OKC, he started shooting threes reliably. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issue, the issue with surge we always had was his basketball IQ. The guy kind of never really knew what to do with the ball in his hands. It was like, other than pick and pop, it needed to be shot or passed that yeah. that was it. Well, and if it wasn't in rhythm, very robotic pass, pass was even a challenge. It was catch. Yeah. Open jump shot, no pump fake. Literally yeah, pivot kinda, and kinda stand like there looks. until someone comes yes, and takes it from ex- you. Exactly. Yep. It's like that. That that was the that was the biggest issue with Surge. Um, but in, in his early days, when you kind of didn't really have to think about those kinds of things, um, I think he played an excellent role. I think he was an excellent player. I still remember that 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 Spurs game where he was perfect from the field and pop was like damn i didn't know like that this dude is killing us um and so that was really special and of course surge surge coming back from that cap injury also um, against the spurs early against Mm -hmm. the spurs and when the okc lost that series um because they had surge out you know um uh, he, he uh, it's an A. He he. Yeah. Well, while he was in OKC, he was very special for them. I think totally even agree. after too, right? Like even his role long term with other teams. Yeah, um, we ended up getting his titles. 
They he got his title. Yep. We uh, yep. I think we Scott Brooks should have played him um, in that centered role. Obviously in the finals. So, yeah, I, I like that one. I'm I'm still bitter about that Scott Brooks. Ooh, this next one's gonna be easy. Also. Yep. All right. 2009. The Thunder have pick number three, take James Harden. We don't have to have a conversation about this one, do we? Yes, yep. No, we're good. Easy. Very uh, easy one. Now, Byron the next Mullins. pick, <laughs> yeah, pick 24, Byron Mullins. Thunder actually traded up. They traded pick 25 in a second rounder to move up one spot. Maybe Just that to puts get a. Byron. Yeah, good maybe times. that puts a hole in what I said in the first half of the podcast that there's no point in trading up one spot because Presty's done it, traded up one spot to get Byron Mullins. Where do you even put Byron Mullins on this tier I put list? Byron, I put Byron in the F tier because, A, you gave up a second and traded up for him, and then he is, he's not even close to the – to the to he never even came close to getting time on the court. On the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yep. think I would probably put him in, like, D or E, but the fact that they traded up to get him drops that draft pick to an F. And the Great. next one gets worse. Oh, my. This one's bad, too. Pit 2010, the Thunder trade pick 21 and 26, and they ate a bad oh. contract. I think it was Morris Peterson to trade up to pick 11, jumped up into the lottery to take Kansas's own Cole Aldrich, our center of the future, who was Dude, going to the, take us to the promised land. The crappiest thing about that was, like, I don't know what those scouts were watching. I watch, I admittedly, you guys know, I watch a ton of Big 12 hoops. I have to, but I also just enjoy it. Um, I know, Taylor, you watch a, a lot of mm-hmm. college, too. The dude was never it. He was never that guy at Kansas, especially a top 10, near top 10 guy. There's... Come here. We so we've bad. talked about this as well, but it's my so uh, my dad's side, the family is from Topeka, Kansas, and are huge Jayhawk basketball fans. And so um, when that pick happened, they were blowing up like our our group texts saying, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe it!" You know, uh, yeah. they were excited, but also I can't believe it. I to your point, yeah, I can't believe it. Yeah, that's got to be an F. Way too many assets. Played assess a total of forty four games in Oklahoma City, averaged seven point two minutes, twenty one and twenty six. And a bad contract. All right, so are we putting putting him in the F tier? Oh, oh yeah, way certainly. too many assets. I mean, okay. like, I Give loved him. I loved the fact that he didn't get new teeth, and he just let those <laughs> uh, those 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 windows in his mouth shine. But nah. Twenty eleven, the Thunder only have had one first rounder. It was pick number twenty four, and they take Reggie Jackson. I think this is a fascinating this is a one. one. Pick twenty four. I'm Maybe we should it. just get Sam Presti pick 24 all the time. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, so Good far he's batting 66%. He took Serge Ibaka, Byron Mullins, Reggie Jackson, all at pick 24. I don't think Reggie deserves an A grade. Do you guys? I he did win them a playoff game single-handedly in Memphis. But he's tears not a joy. A. I mean, he gets knocked down a tier just because of that. This depends <laughs> on what this depends on what we're talking about. Are we talking about what their careers are currently or what their careers were just specifically with OKC. I don't think we See, have to, to choose one way or the other. You you can go whichever direction you want. Come uh, here. Like when we Reggie were talking Jackson, about Serge. Reggie Jackson held the Clippers together. Yes. While Kawhi and PG were out, they were mm-hmm. still winning games. He I was, about was Serge not good in Detroit at all. Got out there to, to LA and has played really, really well. That that's why I say like, what are we? I just are we going off OKC? Uh, then and uh, hey, 
speaking of the Spurs, Kamiar, single-handedly won us a game. And what what series was that? What year was that? Yeah, I don't know. That was the, that was in Memphis. That was in oh, Memphis. Are you right? It was the Memphis game. Memphis game six. Yeah, I eight, I would put special. I would put Reggie in the B tier, but that's uh, just me too. Me too. I think, be, I think it'd be I think you'd be like in between A and B if there was a an area a like a great a, a great area. I think he'd be on the line. He's just like a B because, plus. <laughs> yeah, like just because he's there. Um currently he's played so well for the Clippers, despite the fact that you know he was such a total bomb uh in Detroit after his tears of joy. Uh, he played well with OKC towards the end, even though he had attitude issues with just thinking he should start over Russ or at least be in the starting position. I, he wanted the starting two guard, but he couldn't play defense to save his life. He still doesn't. Uh, so, but he, man, he he kept the Clippers alive for a while, but unfortunately, uh, PG and his injury um, and just couldn't keep him together to make the playoffs. Yeah, and whenever you look at Reggie at 24, the only notable guys that went after him, uh, names that you would even recognize, Norris Cole, which I don't think is... is I mean, you take Reggie Jackson over Norris Cole every day. Former uh, Thunder Norris Cole. That Good is true. Uh, Jimmy Butler is the very, very obvious one here. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, that's Chandler that's Parsons. I mean, his career's cut way short. Uh, I think that's really it. So I, I think I think B for Reggie is probably a pretty good spot. Yeah, that's fair. Let's move on Matt to Clarkson's twenty. Cracking me up in the comments here on a on Reggie. Darno. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he would. Oh my gosh, very true. Uh, uh, twenty eleven. Sorry, not not twenty eleven. Twenty twelve. The Thunder have one pick. This was the, the year that they went to the finals. This is the 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 jump year. Uh, pick twenty eight. Uh, they take a guy that is sliding down draft boards in Perry Jones, the third friend of the podcast, Perry Jones, per- big yep. three alum, Perry Jones. <laughs> this oh, is a this... difficult one for me to grade. I mean, at 28, you're really grasping at straws, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very late first round. I definitely don't think it is like an F or an E, but it's not an A or an a- anywhere close to that. Like, Initially, I just want to go D on this one, but I, I'm interested to Me what too. you guys think. And the reason I want to go D is not so much because of the picket. Or the reason my first instinct is to go D, I realize, is not so much because of the pick itself, but because of the expectations. Especially like, you know, myself, uh, 2012, I would have been a junior in high school. <laughs> so you know, I'm I'm talking myself into this is again, Kamiar, you mentioned it. I'm following OU hoops, so I saw a lot of Baylor. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like this guy literally could be KD Jr. learning from Kevin Durant, and so I'm very high on him. Um, he did not exceed expectations by any means, but to your point, Jacob, you look at the context, a low pick um, for that talent, taking a swing like on a guy like that, I think you do that every time. And with Perry, we have insight to this because we did get to do that that interview with him on the podcast here a couple years ago there was a lot of personal things going on with him rather than just the talent itself. Like there's a world where <laughs> if everything falls right for him personally, like he succeeds. Um, I think I still have to go D though. It didn't I, pan out and it is what it is. 
I think I remember doing a lot of research on Perry before our pod when we sat down and podcasted with him. Where we where did we podcast with him at? The old uh, so it was uh, Republics. Was it? Me, yeah, yeah, the Republic Gastro yeah. Pub, um, in in um, that's right, Chisholm that's Creek, right. North and, I, and yeah, we, close we met to where out, I live now. We met outside in the parking lot, and uh, uh, I'd never seen a more giant human being. Yes, but yes. I remember I remember He's researching here. him like way like like a lot before our, the pod and hoping nobody would ask about like his family because of the unfortunate <laughs> situation with his brother and Taylor brought it up. And I was like, I'm like, oh, Hey, God. so tell me I'll, about your uh, trade to Boston. <laughs> I, I was, I was like, Oh my God. Hey, I was like, he's going to tell us some really deeply personal stuff. And like, he, and, and, and Taylor has no idea. And, and so like <laughs> that, and, but, but that's the thing that people don't realize about these guys is that they have lives right and we've seen it more now because of COVID-19 uh the pandemic you've seen that a lot more with you know guys and their families that are affected and you see that and you you understand that and like like especially with Kat and what his family's been through um I, I if we're talking to straight Perry Jones if he's coached by Mark Dignall in this iteration of the Thunder I think you bump him up to a C, right? I think that his role is totally different. I think he comes into OKC. They're obviously they're they're at pick twenty eight for a reason. They're obviously one of the best teams in in, in the NBA, um, and um, it's sorry, some of the comments that just came in, um, and so but you you're picking at twenty eight for a reason. And so like, yo, like we all thought, right. He's you know, six foot 10, six 11. He can learn from KD. He's got the same body style. You know, like he was rated pretty high. Um, um, but then obviously slid down all the draft boards and OKC said, hell what he, let's see, you know, it's like a chance. Um, and he was, he was not given the right role on the team. Whereas this iteration of the thunder, I think he would be given that role. I mean, I think he would be given that Poku role and that, um, that he would have played so well at kind of a stretch four, big three. He could defend. He was lanky. He's athletic as all get out. Um, I just, I just think like, I think I agree with him being at a D. Um, but I, th- I think that he could have been really special um, if with a different iteration of the Thunder as far as how they're actually playing team ball instead of just ISO 24-7 now. Yeah, and just from a draft pick perspective, like you mentioned, the, the Thunder were incredibly good, and you're just taking a swing for the fences. This was a really low floor, really high ceiling swing for them, and, and you got to respect that from Sam. Notable guys that went after Perry in that draft, uh, Tomas Sadoransky, Jay Crowder, Draymond Green, uh, Chris Middleton, Will Barton. Interesting. Those are really the big ones. That Those are good. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the next one. This is a fun draft. This is a really good one. So in 2013, the Thunder have two firsts. Uh, the first one uh, comes courtesy of the Toronto Raptors via the Houston Rockets in the James Harden trade. It is pick 12 in which the Thunder select Steven Adams. Oh, so that's interesting too. You bring up the James Harden context. I, I, you could, um, 
like evaluate this one in a nutshell, or you could take that context into consideration and knock this down a tier. But, and also, I think you could also say there are some players taken after Steven Adams. Uh, for really, when, when you look at this draft class, though, Giannis after Steven Adams, you have Kelly Olenek, Shabazz Muhammad, Giannis, um, some guy Rudy. I've never heard of before, Schroeder, Shane Larkin, Snell, Jang, Plumley, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Rudy Gobert. Um, I mean, there's there's no one else that really jumps off the page here. Yeah. Uh, it's like the only guys you quote-unquote missed on were Giannis, who you could argue tough. and other teams missed on, um, and then Rudy Gobert. So if Reggie, at the if, time... If Reggie Jackson is a B, Steven Adams is a B. Okay. See, I was I almost think, looking I, at... Like as if Ibaka is an A, then maybe Steven's an A, even if I want to knock him down due to the, to the context. But Kamir, since you think B, there's a part of me who was thinking B as well due to the James Harden trade context. Um, I wasn't thinking con- that that context but you're just at thinking all. In a, in, in I was just thinking just straight up because I think a lot of what I th- I think the the love for Steven Adams and the role he can play on certain teams clouds our judgment, especially just who he is as a person, his mm-hmm. his nature and how much we just like every team he just goes to <laughs> pretty much just loves him as a person and a personality, as well as a guy that is a solid defensive anchor. He's a great passer, pocket pass. Um, he's never going to be that guy that's going to give you any any like offense and ultimate role player. No, unless it's straight up pick and roll. And so that's why I'm saying he's going to be a B Uh, with surge. You reached far later and got a greater offensive talent. Um, Maybe not, maybe equal to, or uh, 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 you maybe two. He, he did win that (laughs) series, Matt. I agree with that. That's, that's that punch on the chin, but unfortunately didn't get the same benefit of the doubt when Draymond green kicked him in the nuts twice in two games. Right. Um, And so, but I remember, I think Serge is an A because he was so late and gave you so much. Whereas Steven Adams, I get, I give him a B because he was still early. That's a good point too. And he gives you, he gives you a lot on that defensive end. He gives you a lot as a leadership position, but on offense, unless he's there for a putback or unless it's a, unless it's a Russell Westbrook pick and roll, he's not doing anything for you. Good point in terms of uh, where they offensive were rebound the off the charts, especially with yeah. Ennis Cantor. But they led he, the league he, in offensive rebounding he, with him. He was just he he he's just not an offensive guy. Yeah, ultimate no, role good. player. Serge Ibaka could win you games because of his offense. Adams was never going to do that. Um, my favorite. Well, it's hard to have a favorite Adams moment. I think the moment I fell in love with Steven was after he got punched in the face and post game. They asked him about <laughs> what what he thought about Game Seven, and he said. I'm just excited to go out there and play my ass off. And I was like, dude, I love this guy. This guy's awesome. Yeah, I think I think Steven B tier is is perfect for Steven. Another pick in that draft S-tier class. Pick S tier in our hearts, though. Yeah, there you go. Oh, 100%. Now we're yeah. talking. Yeah. Pick 26. The Thunder actually had pick 29. They traded 29 and cash considerations to jump to 26 to get Andre Robertson. It's the same. It's the same thing. Ultimate role player. He's B tier. Yep. And, yep. and they, they were never going to take Rudy Gobert after they took Steven. 
they weren't going to take two traditional centers in that draft. Nobody else, I think, even comes close and to Dre yes. in that class after that. Uh, I think B tier for Dre. Guy. And you, you also mentioned, Kamiar, the, the difference between taking, um, sorry, I have to scroll up, Surge at pick 24 versus Steven at 12. Well, taking Dre at pick 26 and basically only cost you cash. Yeah, mm-hmm. B tier. That's all it cost you was cash. And, and like the thing about Dre that drives me absolutely nuts is nothing could ever get him going offensively. You, you just knew what you were getting every single night. And when, of course, I loved, I loved Billy Donovan for making him a four on offense and just, just a two on uh, a, a four on offense and a two, uh, anything pretty much on defense uh, against, especially against the, that Warriors in that Warriors series that really should have won in that series realistically if Katie had not, mm-hmm. you know, pissed down his leg. Um, but again, you were just never going to get anything from him offensively. If you got anything from him offensively, even like really as like a reliable slasher, like he did slash, he just, he did cut to the bucket. Well, um, but if but not consistently, uh, and so anything, if you got anything from him offensively that you could rely on, he would be an a, but he's a B. I think you really started to see him find that niche offensively right before he tore his knee. In Denver, or not in Denver, I'm sorry, in Detroit. Like, playing off those other three guys, yep. I think he really started to find his place uh, offensively as a cutter, as an offensive rebounder, um, just as a play finisher, uh, you know, fast break kind of guy. Really unfortunate for him. Uh, the next year, guys, woo, yeah. a doozy. <laughs> you know, 20, 2014, pick 21, the Thunder select Mitch McGarry. I'm putting McGarry in C. The oh. reason why I put him in C is because I think he was legitimately ready to play in the NBA. I think he could have been like a Brandon Clark kind of guy for OKC. But his off-the-court issues, which are no longer issues because medical marijuana is just now like cool now. Like, I don't know. Riding a unicycle is a pretty big issue to me. But like... Like even even in an interview just the other day with Kevin Durant talked about marijuana. He's like in, in an interview. He's like, I'm high right now. He's like, he's like, it's like drinking a glass. He's straight up. He's like, he's like, I'm high right now. It's like drinking a glass of wine. You kind of take the out- edge off of life. And but when Mitch was in OKC, those laws weren't as lax. And so I think if Mitch McGarry, if he doesn't get popped for drug tests and stuff like that, um, and is maybe a little more dedicated, uh, quite honestly, he had it on the offensive end. He was a guy who was going to hustle his butt off on the defensive end. I really like the talent he could bring. I could see why you guys would rate him as a D. He's not an F, um, but I, I think I think he could have been a C. Uh, but it's what could have been versus what he actually was. I'm with you in that. I love the direction the Thunder were heading when they drafted McGarry. Um, that was kind of he's the kind of forward um, that you mentioned Kami are even these days, potentially a small ball five that would have fit uh, kind of that next era of the NBA. And he showed great flashes during that season. But I think there was a lot more than just the, um, just the weed situation. Like I, like you said, dedication um, on the court, off the court. It's I, I'm have to put him, yeah. put him D with PJ three. <laughs> I, as far as a <laughs> Sam Presti's draft pick is concerned, I kind of want to go D 
Um, mm. It yeah, was it. it was a swing. It was it was a swing, especially on the Thunder culture, uh, that they could bring this guy in that had some issues at Michigan, and keep him on the straight and narrow. Uh, I, I don't think the the weed was the only thing for him. Call me, are you mentioned the, the dedication? Yeah, he got like super out of weight. Uh, sometimes you question like, is he a guy that really wants to put in that level of work to be a professional? Uh, just kind of have this weird aura, this weird vibe about him. Um, he was willing to do it for professional bowling. That is true. <laughs> I Taylor, you be the 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 tiebreaker here. Call me or I want C, I want D. Where are you going to put him at? I already said D, so I got to go D on this one. Yeah, okay. In, in that, <laughs> I think I think that's I think that's fair. Okay. okay. The other pick in that draft, eight picks later, pick Ugh. 29, Josh Hustis. I mean, pick 29 uh, it for the value not necessarily like just horrendous but even then and also like very smart individual uh very down to earth like definitely fit the thunder culture compared to mcgarry if we're putting mcgarry in the two pretty big polar opposites very much so but the whole draft and stash situation domestic draft and stash i believe the first of its kind where they Mm -hmm. basically said hey we're going to take you in the first round but you need to play in the g league for a year did not work out at all. There's a part of me, and this might be unfair again because we put guys like PJ3 and McGarry in the D D tier. But I think this might be my first E tier for what he was supposed to be, um, how they're hoping to develop him internally. I just kind of think it was a yeah, yep. not not yep. great for OKC and their and their uh, misses misses after him, Kyle Anderson, um, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jeremy Grant. Ooh, uh, then the one everybody, of... uh, everyone missed on Nikola Jokic. Hey, I'm not convinced that like the decision in that room at that pick wasn't between him and Grant because they they turned around and went and got Grant pretty quick. Agreed, agreed yeah, completely. Sure. I was thinking about that as well. Say a Victor Aladipo situation. Are you guys cool with E for Josh Eustace? Yeah, I hate that. You guys know how I feel about it. So that I hate that. I hated that so much. Even when the pick happened, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, just just shoot for stuff. Let's do something. Like, not no, that. Yeah. Anything yeah. but that. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to the next pick, which would be 2015. Uh, this is the the quote unquote oh. plagues of Egypt season for the Thunder. Um, they miss the playoffs. They get the 14th pick in the draft. Uh, with that pick, they select Cameron Payne. Notables that they missed on uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. went the pick next. Uh, Jerry and Grant went in this draft. Bobby Portis, Larry Nance Jr. Um, really not a whole lot of people after that. You could go like Chetty Osman in the second, um, Pat Connaughton in the second, Josh Richardson in the second. They needed to be one pick higher for for D book, but where where do we rank the campaign? This one's interesting because, Kamir, you you talked about like uh, content, and I've been thinking about that as well. These players' context outside of OKC, what they've done um, after their time in OKC. Obviously, Payne showed a lot of promise his rookie year. For example, I wrote an article about hopping on the hashtag Payne train. Um, <laughs> that did not go well for me the next like three seasons when he went to the Bulls. He was scooting around his scooter and then uh, scooted his way on over to international basketball for a couple of seasons. But now, um, again, this season wasn't super great for him. But, you know, last year, 
specifically in the year before that, playing some good ball for the Phoenix Suns. Is this our first C prospect or is this still a D? It's I'm kind of torn. Difficult for me because it's not like you really whiffed right. on this one because there was someone else that you should have taken. The only other one is Kelly Oubre. And like maybe the Thunder didn't draft Kelly Oubre because they didn't like the cultural fit with their team. You mm-hmm. know, like I don't know. Mm-hmm. Kelly Oubre is like a very eccentric kind of guy that I don't know would have fit in with the Thunder. <laughs> they didn't keep him on the team very long when they had him, for example. Here, uh, very year true. Year or two years. I'm kind of torn on this one. Call me. Where are you at? If you go long term, uh, I mean, like, with the exception of the bubble in last year uh, with Phoenix, he's really in the D category, right? I yep. mean, he bounced around true. the league. He, he played overseas. Um. If you add in that bubble, if you add in last year, not too much this year, uh, I think I think his stats got worse, right? Didn't they? Like from the fields uh, yep. and everything. Uh, I, I would still rate him at with, with the Thunder. I would still rate him as a D, right? Uh, he played somewhat of a role, but was not a Houston guy. Um, Long term, I'm still not sure if he makes it above a D I would have to see what next season looks like because he hasn't shown that consistency. That's fair. No, no pun intended. Like, like he got a job prior to the bubble went off in the bubble for Phoenix and then played really well with them the following year when they made it to the finals. True. Yeah. This is a challenging one. Um, Cause again, I, I weigh a lot of this on like who else was Presti going to draft. It's not like he missed a can't miss guy. Um, I think D is fair. I think we should go D on this one as well. <laughs> Seems like you guys <laughs> next agree. One, next one will be a uh, a very fun one. Uh, it's <laughs> I, I might just give Kamiar the floor on this yeah, 2016, one. 2016, none. 2017, the Thunder have one pick. It is pick 21. And with that pick, they select Terrence Ferguson. <laughs> He's between... <laughs> he's not a D I can tell you that um, he he's like he to me we wanted him to be that defensive specialist 3 and D guy that he was your first Australian uh, prospect right yep. uh, from the NBL, NBL. and uh, they wanted him so badly to be able to handle the ball but he just could not ever be in a rhythm he looks like remember that year in summer league when they had him running point christ it was god awful uh taylor do you watch the office i know jake doesn't oh oh yeah the real question is how many times have i seen the office all the way through and i believe it's been four times yeah okay good (laughs) so like you clearly remember that episode where stanley gets out and tries to dribble the basketball yeah yeah the basketball episode that's straight up Terrence Ferguson dribbling the basketball. And so like he was hey. never reliable from three. He was kind of streaky that one year with Russ where he, he was actually making them from the corners occasionally here and there, but being very streaky. Um, he was somewhat of a good defender. I mean, like he wasn't all class. He wasn't up to Lou. He wasn't up to uh, uh, Andre. 
Uh, he wasn't a bad defender. He was, you know, he was, you know, like average ish, a little, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit above average. It depends upon who he had some good defensive moments because he was, he was so skinny, right? And if he was a little bit thicker, then he could have been a lot better. And if but he was he engaged was so defensively skinny. the entire yeah. time, that was the yeah. other issue. And that was his issue offensively. You mentioned the streakiness, Kamiar. I remember the Lakers he, game he, where he had the huge oh, dunks. Dude, the, the Lakers game will forever live in my heart. All right. He I just, mean, we were just, sold. He was just he was just so stiff as a athlete and his his body composition and it didn't allow him to do a lot of other things. Uh, I just I don't and his shot was never there really. It was more it was there more than it was Dre, but Dre was hyper athletic, bigger, stronger, faster, played better High defense, IQ on both ends could, of the floor. Uh, yes, could play uh could guard 1 through 4 uh with 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 um with Terrence Ferguson, you know, you're looking at a guy that could only guard ones, twos, some three, some threes, not some not all threes. Um, and that's really it. Um, and he yeah. didn't really give you much on offense, even when he's getting wide open three pointers. Here's the Terrence Ferguson knock for me, as far as a draft selection by the GM. He goes 21. At 22, it was Jared Allen. 23 Ooh. was OG Ananobi. 27 we want, we was Kyle OG Kuzma. Too. We want yeah. OG bad. 29 was Derek White. 30 was Josh Hart. That's uh, about to play in the finals, Derek White, by the way. 30 was Josh Hart. Uh, you get down into the second round, there's not as many guys. You had Thomas Bryan at 42 as a big. Uh, Dylan Brooks at uh, out of Oregon at 45. Uh, so not a lot of... Big names later, but with OG, and I know there was medicals with OG at the time, but OG, Jared Allen, Derek White, Josh Hart, and Kyle Kuzma all there, this was a swing and a miss. There's no other way to pitch it. This was a swing and a miss. I'm not putting him F tier because he actually played and did some positive things. That's what Uh, I was going to say. Aldrich and Mullins, good dudes, just didn't get an opportunity in the basketball court. I think putting him next to Josh Hustis is just about as perfect as you can get for this one. See, I think not agree more. I think this is the, I think, I think that Terrence Ferguson's pick was the official pick that Thunder fans, not all, but some to many started to, started to turn on Sam Presti's ability to draft because Mm -hmm. You saw what happened with Mitch McGarry and Josh Eustis. You saw what happened with campaign. You didn't have a pick in 2016. And you saw what happened with Terrence Ferguson on the hat, not having a pick in 2018. And so that's when I, and then, and then his next shot is Darius Baisley, who we're about to talk about. But mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that is that third pick is when people will start to say, because we were at that draft party and they said Terrence Ferguson. We all said, What? Who? Everybody said, Who? And we started got it, getting on their phones, Googling who this guy is. And it, I think that's the pick that people started to really question Sam Presti. Yeah. All but, right. Yeah. 2018, there was no pick. 2019, pick 23, Darius Baisley. Uh, the Thunder traded pick 21. They slid back two spots. They picked up a future second round pick from Memphis. They actually selected um, Brandon. What's his last name? Clark. Brandon Clark. Thank you. <laughs> um, and, and Memphis wanted Brandon Clark, so they traded up to get him. Uh, as of right now, that looks negative because it was Brandon Clark, Grant Williams, then Darius Baisley. 
other guys who were still on the board, uh, Nos Little, uh, Keldon Johnson. Thunder were never in a million years going to take Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, Nick Claxton was still on the board at that time. That's really it. Taylor Horton Tucker, yeah. uh, Bull Bowl. I like that um, range for Baisley. Um, I think I think this about- one is a little incomplete. Yes. Uh, obviously, Grant Williams and Brandon Clark are the better players right now. Right now. They look like they will be the better players. Um, but I don't think this one is like a horrendous miss. I think this is our first C tier. Um, like you said, Jacob, this is a fun, like, not to use the same term tier, but like looking at the rest of this list, they are kind of all in a tier because like you said, they're incomplete. They're still young, um, mm-hmm. incomplete prospects. But at this point, um, the upside that Baisley's shown combined with the frustrations, he's not been a home run swing by any, or a uh, home run hit by any means. Uh, the Thunder took a swing on him as well, kind of like Ferguson due to the whole new balance situation, right? Uh, it's played out. out better than Ferguson for sure. But it's played out much better than Ferg. Um, and, also, that's and again, G he's, League, he's been, G, that's G League champion Terrence Ferguson. Thank you very much. Oh, hey, there you go. He averaged two minutes a game with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers last season. Oh, wow. I did not know that. That's interesting. But like looking over his past three seasons, being Baisley, um, and you've got to put him up a tier over PJ3 McGarry Payne. Um, and again, story still unwritten on Baisley. I think he's I our think first C tier. I think he's very firmly C tier. Call me or do you agree? Yeah, I think I think he's C tier. I think he reminds me a lot, like you guys said earlier about about, about Jeremy Grant. And I remember like when Baisley first got to OKC, asking the questions, right? Asking that question, like, "Hey, is Baisley like Jeremy Grant? Can he be like the Jeremy Grant guy?" And um, I I think that was when McKellar was on with us at that that one time. Uh, and when we asked him, like, "Hey, like." I asked him like, what do you think about Jeremy, Jeremy Grant and, and Baisley's as a comp? And, uh, it was n- not as much that, but of course, cause their games are a little bit different for now. Uh, Baisley is still so young and you also got Jeremy Grant, um, pretty young too, raw athletes. Um, and he's kind of really accepting his role defensively and trying to slide into that dunker spot and be reliable from three offensively. I don't think he's going to be ever a guy that you are going to put the ball in his hands and be like, all right, Darius, go get us a bucket. Nope, that's not going to happen. He'll be a role player uh, in the future, but I think he's taken well to his role this year, and it's been really special for him. Uh, so I obviously see. And for what it's worth, wait, we said this one's kind of incomplete. These guys are still growing. I think you guys would agree with me in that this year was the Brandon Clark and the the Grant Williams, really the coming out year for those guys. I mean, they were all right their first two seasons, but this season was the season they really kind of made that leap. For what it's worth, Darius Baisley turns 22 yep. um, in a couple of weeks. Grant Williams is currently 23 and a half, and Brandon Clark is will be 26 in September. Ooh. Yeah, because Brandon Clark graduated, and that was the biggest knock on him. Yeah, so Baisley still has a lot more of a runway than those other guys. I think putting him at Good C point. for right now is fair. I think it can definitely change moving forward. It could slide up to that B. He could end up being an Andre Robertson level, uh, not the same role, but Steven Adams level contributor to this team. He could also slide down, especially if he's not on the team moving forward. I think C's the good place to keep him for right now. 
Mm-hmm. As David in the chat says, C's get degrees. They do. <laughs> I I made a C in econ a- in, in in undergrad. I just I went to class, but I never like really did anything. <laughs> All right, this is going to be an incredibly difficult one. Twenty twenty, the Thunder trade pick twenty five, pick twenty eight, and Ricky Rubio <laughs> for pick seventeen, James Johnson, and a future second round pick. When you look at or and the pick at seventeen, uh, obviously Alexei Pokashevsky. Uh, when you look at 25 and 28, what they traded was Emmanuel Quickly and Jaden Daniels, who have both been mm. really good for their respective teams so far. But you drafted Poku also knowing that this was a long-term investment on the upside, that it was going to take years because you weren't drafting a kid uh, who had played at Washington and had been a, a high-level high school prospect. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't drafting a kid who played at Kentucky. You're drafting a kid who's playing against 34-year-old Greek men who smoke cigarettes at halftime. <laughs> this is pretty easy for me. Uh, you you give him a C. He's he had he has shown more flashes of brilliance, um, w- a willingness to attack uh, attack on the offensive end, uh, especially about how young he is. He just turned what? How how is he? He did he just turn like 19, 20? I'm pulling it up right now. Give me just a second. Oh, he just turned like Alexei 20. Pokashevsky is 20 and a half years old. He will okay, be 21 okay. uh, the yeah. day after Christmas. That's right. So like he he just turned 20 this past season. Um, yikes, right? Um, he he is younger, four years younger than when Brandon Clark got, got drafted. Now he's only a couple years Good younger point. when Brandon Clark got drafted, but still, um. I, he's shown more flashes of some really special stuff. Um, of course, he's made some really dumb decisions because, yeah, he w- was a teenager and he's still learning the game. Like, you go from the Greek G Leagues to the NBA, you're going to look pretty foolish uh, in, in some aspects. Um, yeah. and, but at the same time, he, he's shown some really, really cool stuff that OKC's like only Poku could do stuff like that um and so if okc is a front court where they play and you know this lineup would inevitably come into play if it were to happen chet and poku at the five and the four that would be the dumbest five and four lineup i've seen but like the most versatile five and four lineup you've seen in a while of course they'd be very young and inexperienced uh, but still very fun. So I think it's a C for me. I think that's pretty easy. I, th- I don't think I don't think he's a miss like PJ McGarry and Payne because those guys PJ showed like a couple flashes here and there, right? And he had that one really special game that he hit a game winner or whatever for OKC. Yeah, against Denver. McGarry yeah, showed right. McGarry showed that he could be reliable at first i mean like he we he started calling him mcdouble because his first games in the nba were double doubles mm-hmm. and then of course he tailed off but he just didn't have that love for the game because he just wasn't there um and the campaign tried really hard but could really never do anything he gets that his outside shot was never really falling um he never really showed those flashes of something special like poku could be so that's why i say i see I think the only reason I was again, Poku's kind of in the the Adams tier of S S plus in my heart, but 
I was thinking D here only because of what the Thunder gave up and two future firsts, plus Ricky Rubio, who prior to his injury this past season um, was playing some good ball and I think had some pretty decent trade value. They did trade a lot to get uh, to get Poku, but they had the luxury of doing so, I think. Like we aren't. They really... also flipped James Johnson for a first. And it, right, right. I you also know. think it's. And really, they were never going to hold on. To I think a lot of con- there's a lot of context that falls into this one as well. You know, right. So I'm not. I'm. I don't hate the C. The C grade. I think C is fair, and it's a it's a long term. Someday. At the same yeah. time, yeah. I I really think it's very hard to categorize these later guys. I, I, I think. Yeah, I think. One hundred percent. I'm not saying it's unfair, but I'm saying like. In a way, I have early. no idea what he's going to be this season. I have especially, no idea what I'm getting these this last season. two. Like, exactly. I'm with you. I'm, it, yep. These last three, if you include Poku, like you were saying, yep. Yep. I yep. agree. Well, let, let's do the last two, which again are so difficult because they just finished their rookie seasons. We're going to place them on the tier list, but they can move around as early mm-hmm. as next season, right? Let's start with the first one the 2021 draft. At pick number six, the Thunder selected Josh Giddy. Oh. Again, way too early, but with all that context given, what he showed, the promise that he showed his rookie season, um, especially at pick six, they didn't trade up. You know, they they weren't able to trade up to get a Mobley or a kid kind of him. Yeah, I'm going, you got your cursor there, Jacob. I'm with you. I think he's an A. Yeah, I think that, of course, his outside shooting is the thing that you're wondering. He's got the floater down. Swing skill. Um, he's got he's got the floater down, but if his shooting ever rounds into something worth uh worth anything, uh he could be really really special. Mm-hmm. Um, his defense and he's so is, young, his body's gonna fill out. Yeah, yep. his, his defense is good positionally. Obviously, he'll get stronger. He'll get better on defense. Of course, his lateral lateral quickness is something that you can't necessarily teach. Um, but with all that said, his high cues, basketball awareness, his court awareness, his ability. Um, uh, I think when you say people say he could be a, a larger Ricky Rubio is almost like an insult because, I agree. um, he can, I think he can do so much more than Ricky Rubio just by sheer size and, and power and athleticism, uh, that Ricky Rubio just doesn't have. Um, his so I rebounding would say, was elite and, and a great surprise. Yeah, um, I mean, like he's he owns the four youngest triple doubles in NBA history. There you yeah. go. It's maybe so my lot. favorite, maybe my favorite thing about him last year that kind of went underrated. We talk about his basketball IQ all the time as far as his passing, but the dude is a phenomenal cutter. Mm, like he yeah. had multiple game winning layups where he just cut to the rim and Shea found him because he uses that IQ. Off the ball on defense, he it, it it seeps into every aspect of his game. Like at worst, he's going to score you 12, 14 points a night off the floater, off just being six foot eight, off the cuts. Yeah, come here. If if the stroke comes around, like we're talking all star. Same Vizini, I, don't think I think that's so a that, stretch. That, that same podcast you referenced earlier, Jacob. Yeah, hi. I think completely. we're all in agreement. Giddy goes in the A tier. Yeah, yep. he could, he. He already is special, um, and I think he has the potential to be really special. I don't know this about a, I don't know about Shea special, but like really special. Yeah. This yeah. is a very balanced tier list, by the way. When you look it at is. it, we, it's very sorted. Interesting. Out. Uh, last one, pick eighteen in the twenty twenty one draft. Trey Man. This is another difficult one for me. Where does Trey fall on the tier list? For With me, this- right now, it's B. 
Yes, I agree. I was going well. to say B as well. He's Way shown more than Baisley or Poku already. Agree. Um, he's not that super high tier yet, but the elite skill of being able to create his own shot skills. There. Um, you know, he's got some some sneaky bounce that we didn't really know that he had. Yeah, um, he's very coachable. He's stronger than you think he is. He has he has all the skills and attributes to be something really special. It depends on are you going to be the first guy to leave the practice gym and the last guy to leave uh, the practice gym for him. Uh, for and me, even like, will you have the full opportunity on? Oh, again, he's going to have plenty of opportunity just because the team's young. But with guys like Shea and Giddy ahead of him, or at least he will be playing alongside him. Will he be able to like fully showcase all the skills or develop all those skills? But I think the thing that you you took the words like literally out of my mouth, Jacob, when you said he has an elite skill, when you compare him to Baisley and Poku, they do not have an elite skill yet. Um, yeah, I think that this is a, a good B tier here, which ended up uh, after adding man, that's our biggest, biggest tier. Of the yeah. night. So let's recap the tier list and then we'll get the people out of here because this has been a longer podcast. Hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, S tier, we have Russell Westbrook and James Harden. In the A tier, we have Sergi Baca and Josh Giddy. B tier, Reggie Jackson, Steven Adams, Andre Robertson, and Trey Mann. In the C tier, Darius Baisley and Alexei Pokashevsky. Those ones are both very much still up for grabs. D tier, Perry Jones III, Mitch McGarry, and Cameron Payne. The E-tier, Josh Hustis and Terrence Ferguson. And then God bless their souls, the two big white guys in the F-tier, Byron Mullins and Cole Aldrich. Think it's Let's okay. really hope we don't add another big white guy to the F-tier. Kessler, uh, Auburn guy. It's instantly who I thought of. God, yeah. Yeah. Um, Good stuff. You guys have any more draft thoughts before we get out of here? I'm excited. Me too. Hey, I'm ready. Like three and a half weeks. I think we're I'm getting a... really close to, to heavy smoke screen season. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if by the time people getting close to, podcast, to, we already are in smoke screen. That, that is season. true. But I think we're going to get a lot more. Um, I think by the time people listen to this pod, Kevin O'Connor. Sam Vecini, those types of guys are going to be updating their mocks, their big boards, more yep. intel coming out. Good stuff. It's the best time of the year. The finals are about to be here. It's awesome. We'll be five. back with you guys Monday night with the Twitter spaces. Make sure you follow us on Twitter.com, just at the underscore uncontested. Download the pod wherever you get your podcasts at. Sub on YouTube. And we'll be back Wednesday night with another live pod for you, 8 p.m. Central Time. Until then, and as always... Thunder up. And we love you. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.